Hey everyone, this is Steph, one of the hosts of Mindful Chatter. On this episode, I will be addressing a big concern that typically comes up at this time of the year. What the heck should I set as my New Year's resolution? In particular, I'm going to discuss our tendency to set goals to change our body or our weight, to help you recognize why these kinds of goals can be really appealing to us, and hopefully equip you with the tools to step away from these kinds of goals and to move onwards to setting more fulfilling and nurturing goals in the coming year. Are you new here? If you are, welcome to our show. This is Mindful Chatter, presented to you by Steph, Vincent, and Kathleen three Hong Kong young professionals who are eager to explore the concept of mindfulness, both as a personal practice to cultivate mental well-being and as an interpersonal practice. Through heart-to-heart conversations about our own journeys and others' stories, we hope to share different perspectives and resources that will help you live a more mindful, peaceful, and meaningful life. If you like this podcast, the best way to support us is to subscribe and leave us a review and rating. You can also send this episode to a friend or share it on social media by tagging us at MindfulChatterHK on Instagram or our Facebook page, Mindful Chatter. Enjoy the show! So first, I wanted to talk about why weight and body goals are enticing to us in the first place. I'm a strong believer in the idea that in order to move past beliefs that we've held for a long time, we really first have to acknowledge how they have functioned in our lives in the first place. We need to know how they did serve us at one point, and to clarify why we now believe that they no longer serve us in order to make concrete goals for breaking up with these beliefs for good. So let's talk about it. Why are we drawn to making weight and body goals at all? First of all, the results are tangible and concrete. This one is simple. Most, if not all of us, are probably drawn to setting goals that we can tangibly see and experience. Secondly, The steps towards those tangible outcomes are clearly defined. We as human beings adore routine and regularity. In fact, the ways that our brains make sense of the world around us is by creating schemas of different situations that we find ourselves in, which are kind of like portraits that our brains create to note down the important aspects of each situation. So our perceptions of the world are kind of like compartmentalized lists of different situations and things that we have encountered in our lives. All this is to say that we really, really thrive when we can picture things in a step-by-step way. And so it really makes sense that weight and body goals, which seem to provide us with a clear list of things that we need to do in order to achieve these goals, are really attractive to us. It feels like if we follow each step to the T, we will achieve our dream body and in turn our dream lives. And finally, the results that we achieve are appreciated and validated by other people. Human beings are social creatures after all, so it makes sense why it would make us feel good to do things that other people recognize and admire. Now that we've discussed the appeal of weight and body-related goals, 
let's try to dig into the scientific literature to see whether they really are what they're cracked up to be. First, are the outcomes truly as concrete as the diet ads promise? The research suggests that this is not the case. An international study that was published in the British Medical Journal with a sample of nearly 22,000 patients showed that most diets, which for the purposes of our discussion today, will be defined as a way of eating that requires a person to restrict the type and or the amount of food that they eat, well, this study showed that most diets did result in a moderate amount of weight loss and improvements in cardiovascular risk factors, such as blood pressure. But this weight loss and the changes in cardiovascular measures mostly disappeared within 12 months. So why might this have happened, you might ask? Why weren't the results of these diets sustained after the one-year mark? Well, this leads me into my second point, which is that the steps to short-term weight loss may be relatively straightforward, but the steps to long-term health are far from it. Many of you may have heard this before, which is that our health is defined by so much more than our physical bodies, and there just isn't a one-size-fits-all way of finding what works for each person. We may be able to sustain a pattern of restrictive eating and punishing exercise for a short period of time, but this eventually does take a toll on our mental and emotional well-being. The reason why diets don't work in the long term is because we just aren't happy when we put up with this stuff for extended periods of time. This is not you failing the diet. If you stopped dieting at some point in your life because you found that you felt demotivated or annoyed or angry, congratulations! That's your body and your mind working well and protecting you from self-sabotage. So what the research shows is that regardless of what a person's weight is, Everyone can benefit from engaging in more health-promoting behaviors, such as making time for physical activity, eating a variety of foods that are satisfying, consuming alcohol in moderation, and not smoking. A study showed that disease risk was roughly the same for individuals across the weight spectrum when they engaged in these self-care activities. Finally, what does the research show about the linkages between dieting and social relationships? Well, the research suggests that individuals with disordered eating behaviors tend to have poorer relationships and experience difficulties in social functioning. And this is likely because people who diet are more likely to compromise social relationships in their pursuit of weight control goals, such as rejecting invitations to social gatherings because of self-imposed restrictions on certain foods, or because they are just too exhausted from not eating enough. And this is important because research suggests that social relationships are integral to long-term health with one study showing that a lack of strong relationships increased the risk of premature death from all causes by 50%, which is an effect on mortality risk that is about the same as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. 
and which is greater than being in the obese category of the weight spectrum, or being physically inactive. Now that we've debunked the myths suggesting that weight and body-related goals are sure paths to happiness, let's talk a little bit about how we can start setting diet culture-free resolutions. First, let's consider what it is that you want to feel when you achieve a certain weight or body goal. Oftentimes when we set these goals, we're really chasing a feeling. So what are some of these desirable feelings and how can we begin separating them from weight and body shape outcomes? The first common feeling is wanting to feel quote-unquote healthier. We've been told so frequently by the media that health is solely defined by how our bodies look that we don't really ever stop to think about what health really means to us. To begin removing our definition of health from what our bodies look like, we need to try and specify what quote-unquote healthy means in concrete terms. This will be particularly helpful for those of us out there that initially gravitated towards weight and body goals because we liked the tangible and concrete nature of these goals. So does healthy mean having more energy to you? Does it mean feeling less stressed? Does it mean waking up feeling like you can conquer the world? If you remember the research study that I spoke about a couple of minutes ago, Health-promoting behaviors lead to better health outcomes, regardless of a person's weight. What this means is that although the media has sold us the idea that health comes hand-in-hand with weight loss, it is more likely the case that what you really need to do to feel healthy is to simply dedicate more time to taking care of yourself. Anecdotally, I find that my body image is worse on days where I don't make enough time for self-care behaviors, like when I'm too busy to eat a meal without distractions, or when I convince myself that I don't have any time at all to step outside and take a walk between spurts of work. My body hasn't really changed, and the food that I ate wasn't really worse than the day before, and it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things that I didn't reach my step count that day. The main issue here was for that entire day, my behaviors suggested to my mind that I wasn't worth taking even a moment out of my day to take care of myself. That was what felt terrible. And that mindset of not feeling like I was worth it influenced me at the level of my perceptions and how I saw myself in the mirror. On the flip side, I like to also remember that my body image perceptions and how I see myself more generally can drastically improve the very next day if I make an effort to get a good night's rest and to set intentions to incorporate more consistent self-care into my routine. Perception is power in both positive and negative ways. And what's more, the power lies with you and only you. Another desirable feeling that often gets wrapped up in body and weight goals is wanting to feel like you've worked hard for something and receiving the recognition of others as a result of this effort. I know that sports goals can often be a way for people to prove to themselves that they can do something really tough. And I wanted to put a caveat in here and say that I'm not against sports goals at all. 
I think it's really awesome that people set the goal of running marathons and other kinds of physical pursuits to help themselves feel capable and confident. I think that we all have different ways of boosting our self-esteem and living fulfilling lives. I think the reason why sports goals can become problematic, in my opinion, is because of the meaning that society has attached to moving our bodies in these ways. As you're probably familiar with, this meaning indicates that the whole point of this sports goal is to change our bodies, or at least that changing our bodies is one of the more important conditions for continuing to pursue this goal. If we don't sweat, if we're not in pain, if we're not pushing our limits, our efforts supposedly don't quote-unquote count, and we will have supposedly quote-unquote failed to reach these goals. So if you're wondering how you could set a non-body or weight-related sports goal, there are a couple of questions that I'd like you to ask yourself. First of all, Would you still engage in this sporting activity even if it resulted in no change to your body at all? Or perhaps if you gained weight? Second, if you got injured, would you be willing to stop and give yourself the rest you need in order to recover and to continue pursuing this goal with full strength and capacity? And third, what are you willing to compromise along the way? What would you do if your goal pursuit begins to interfere with your relationships, with your sleep quality, and with your health? If you decide that you are willing to compromise these things for a short period of time, what is your game plan for returning to more self-nourishing levels after this period of time? If you think that you're not ready to disentangle body and weight concerns from a sporting goal, or you simply decide that you want to try exploring beyond the realm of sports to achieve the feeling of being recognized for your efforts, I would strongly encourage you to take another path for now. Find another activity that brings you meaning and purpose, which leads me nicely into the third feeling that many people, including myself, often entangle body and weight goals with. The feeling of wanting to experience new and exciting things, of wanting novelty and adventure. That's a feeling that diets can provide us with. It's indisputable that starting a new diet kind of gives us a feeling of being on an adventure, of trying something new. It's just that this feeling is short-lived and just doesn't serve us in the long term. To begin disentangling this desire for novelty from weight and body goals, I'd like you to try and think of something that you've often told yourself that you don't have time for. Diet culture convinces us that everything is on an urgent timeline. Just think about how many ads come out in the months before summer, urging us to start dieting so that we can look good for the beach. And that if we do happen to have any spare time, we should spend it on exercising or tracking our food intake. This leaves us with little time to spend on things that actually matter to us, or we may feel really guilty for spending time on these things. Challenging yourself to break past these shoulds and remembering that what is considered quote-unquote worth your time is completely up to you. And this is a key step to setting a diet culture-free goal. Learn a new language or learn how to play a new instrument. Explore a new hiking trail or get lost in the back of your neighborhood. The point is, 
Try something new that doesn't require shrinking yourself. I promise that it'll be a lot more fun. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode. I would love to hear about the goals that you are setting for yourself this year and any challenges that you think you might face along the way. I think it's so important to remember that the new year is not the only time that we get to set goals and that it's totally okay to mess up in the middle and to give yourself the grace to start again anytime. Thanks for tuning in today and sending big, big hugs to everyone. Stay safe and healthy. P.S. For those of you who really like to geek out, please check out the episode notes for the citations to the studies that I spoke about during today's episode. Have fun! Thank you so much for listening to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe for more. If you could leave us a rating and review, that would help us reach more people who may benefit from this podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, please do drop us a line on Instagram at MindfulChatterHK or our Facebook page, Mindful Chatter. You can also email us at MindfulChatterHK at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you back here soon.